I I'm honestly it, I'm grieving it a little bit. For, like, <laughs> well, like, hey, like I well, like I I am a little worried about your church family, like seeing this if and like like it's just getting real. Yeah, yeah. So hey, welcome everyone to Bible and Panther. Um, Mike, as I'm pressing the button to put us uh, live, realized that uh, my bookshelves are starting to have less books on them. So uh, he was just expressing his, uh, I don't know, his emotions about that. Yeah, Is I have that... mixed emotions. I, I don't sure understand. I don't. I don't understand that, Mike. Uh, how like how is this? How is my leaving my church impacting you? Because I'm a very empathetic person, and I feel the weight of that you're feeling, and also the church is feeling. So I was actually looking at it like, what if I was one of his church members watching this video, and then all of a sudden I oh. see his bookshelves that are always chock full of books that, yeah, you know, are deep and rich and theologically sound, you know? So that's where I was, that's the direction I was coming yeah. from is not so much. It had an impact of me, but I was kind of just wrestling with the impact of what other people might, might be thinking as they see this. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's weird, man. Like it's, it's, uh, this isn't my first time leaving a church. You know, I left Oak Hill. I was the associate pastor and, like both of these, like, so both transitions have very different emotions, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're complex emotions. Cause like last mm-hmm. time we were leaving our family behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're like, we're moving back toward, or, you know, to where our families are. Um, but here, like we've really experienced so much love and care. Like, like really, I mean, this church mm-hmm. has been awesome to us. So, and we love, we love the people. We love our community. Like I played hockey with uh <clears throat> with my team Sunday night, and like some of them were commenting like, "Oh man, it's just gonna." I'm so sad to see you go, but I'm happy for you. So mm-hmm. it's 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 uh, there's many emotions, complex emotions, but yeah, I mean our house is has boxes all over the place. When I get home today, I get to lug a bunch of furniture out to the end of the driveway to get picked up tomorrow by by the trash man. Um. Mm-hmm. There, you know, we're starting to, yeah. So today's March first. My last day is March thirty first. So, yeah. So it's thirty one days. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, man. It it is. It is something. So there's lots, lots to go through. But it. Does, I had a, uh, I had a meeting this morning with. Uh, so I don't know if I've shared on the show, but I think I've shared with you that I got a job with Lancaster Bible College. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to be a, a, an outside in outside instructional design course designer. So essentially what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be working with professors at LBC to put um, pretty much all their MDiv courses online. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm pretty excited about that, but I won't still start till May. So I had like a kind of an onboarding session this morning. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Jim asked a question. Uh, he says, both in Sunday school and our sermon Sunday, we had lots of discussions why after the transfiguration did the disciples remain silent? Luke 9.36. So actually, um, oh man, 
That's that's a good question, Jim. We're going to get into a pretty uh, deep theological topic today as we talk about the atonement. Um, we had a listener question talking about the relation of the Son of Man in verse 21 of Luke 9. So we're almost at the transfiguration. So why don't we handle that question for like next week? Because I'd like to I'd like to give it its due time and attention. How does mm. that sound, Mike? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's <clears throat> I think that's a, a good question. Um, but we'll get into we'll get into that topic a little later on. So so yeah, I got a I got a job with LBC, which is like a it's essentially a project base based uh, um, job. So it's part time, working two or three courses at a time, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. It'll be fun. So it's stuff that I like to do. Like I've done some of that for MTI, which by the way, Mike, you met with the guy on MTI last night, um, and you guys were messing with me in some text messages, <laughs> but uh, so. So Matt Larkin gave you some sweet swag, right? Yeah. You want to show it off? I only have one of the items. Okay. The first, well, the first item was a bag to carry my, an MTI bag to carry my swag. Like what kind of bag? Uh, like a, like a, uh, a, a fabric bag that you might Dr- use. To a drawstring? Like a, nope, not drawstring, but like with handles. Okay. So here in Maine, they've outlawed plastic shopping bags. And so you have to bring your own bags to into stores unless you want to per you want to pay five cents per paper bag. Um, and so you have to bring your own shopping bags, like grocery shopping. And so they're like this uh, synthetic, plasticky material. And so I'm really happy for this MTI bag because I always forget to grab bags from home to go into the store. And now I have a bag that I'm just going to keep in my car for when I have to run in real fast to grab something from the grocery store that I've forgotten that or that we need on the way home. So okay. that, that was number one. And then this nice plaid blue brownish throw blanket that I'm that I was really excited about because my wife um really if i'm honest and this isn't meant to be mean or sexist or anything but most of if not all of the blankets in our living room are really geared towards my wife okay Um, some some of which is intentional because one of them i did buy for her as a mother's day gift and on it it has like all the boys names and their birth dates um and but i do have an electric blanket heated blanket So so does she does erica like not let you use her blankets Oh no, she lets me use them, but like I don't have my blanket except for my heated blanket in the living room. Like the rest of them, I would say they're her blankets or or like the kids like baby blankets that people have made that we have like on the. They, there's these things called blanket ladders, and so instead of using it to climb on, to like into a bunk bed or a, or whatever, people hang blankets on ladders. And we found this on the side of the road that someone was getting rid of. And so she repurposed it and it's a blanket ladder now. And so I don't really have a, I never really had a blanket in the living room. That's like mine. Like, Hey, that's dad's blanket. And now I do. And it's an MTI one. And it has this nice like fabric thing that you put around it. You roll it up and it Velcros and holds it nice and tight and snug. And it has the MTI logo on it. 
but the cream of the swag crop. <laughs> Hold on, can I can I just stop you there because I'm fascinated by your your the the blanket situation in Alex household because like we have we have a ton of blankets and most of them are actually I think all of them are probably blankets that have been given to Robin, mm-hmm. but whenever we give a blanket to Robin, um pretty much everybody uses it like their communal blankets. Sure. Um, so it sounds like Erica hogs all the blankets, doesn't allow you to use them. And she doesn't care if you're freezing um, pretty much suck it up. Big guy, put on some more weight. No. However, however, she will often make me move if I'm like leaning on a blanket so she can have the blanket. Um, but no. Just, so she takes so- your blanket away. No, I might not what? be using it. Oh my goodness! I, I might no, I'm not using it. I might it might be on the arm of the chair. She's been so good to you, so nice to you. I mean, such a loving and caring wife. And now you're telling me that in the dead of winter, uh, in Maine, one of the coldest places uh, imaginable to me, um, she steals your blankie and says, "Give it back to me." No, no, she doesn't. I'm not actually using it. I'm leaning on it. And she'll make me move in order to get a blanket. But here's the thing. Most of the blankets in our living room were given to someone other than me. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I don't really have, hey, that's my blanket. Like, hey, that's Gideon's baby blanket. That's Asher's blanket. There's a blanket she knit herself for the family. So I guess technically that one's mine. But she's got this breakfast blanket that was given to her as a gift. She's got the Mother's Day blanket? blanket. Yeah, it's got like bagels and donuts and stuff on it but can you only like use it in the morning we're 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 flexible uh she's got the mother's day blanket and then she's got a blanket that was her great aunt who passed away uh in 2020 that you know and so that's like her family's blanket and um and so i've got my heated blanket now i've got my mti blanket golly Um, man you guys have so many blankets you're like Dude, don't like, even that's get, your thing. Don't, like that, like the Alex family is the family of blankets. Well, what you guys let, let, let's not even talk about how many pillows we have on our bed. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to get into that. I'm not. <laughs> we're not going to get into. We don't have many pillows on our bed. Like I think we have maybe five. I sleep with two pillows. Um, yeah. See, that's reasonable. To, that's reasonable to me. Yeah, but uh, hey, people. We have probably six to nine pillows on our on our okay. bed but uh anyway um and so yeah and, and to and then we've also got throw pillows in the living room and one of which was mine it was given to me by her parents and it has on it you are my sunshine and my mom used to sing that song to me when i was a kid and and so it had some things but um i i'm not quite sure if it's in the in the living room anymore or if it now has a pillowcase over it so the one thing that was yours the one thing that was yours was taken away wow or covered up that's brutal and so erica's right there are 10 pillows on our um and how many do we use at night there's a delay so it might be a while before she answers right so anyway but to kind of get back to the original question that i've belabored too long this, I think, is the creme de la creme of the swag. Oh, what's so great about a Yeti mug? Uh, it's got that MTI logo. MTI on it. logo. Nice. 
those Yeti mugs aren't aren't cheap, man. No, they they cost a pretty penny. Um, but Yeti mugs are they're the they are the creme de la creme. They are they are top notch, man. Mm-hmm. So, yep. So uh, Erica agrees. We only use three of those ten. Okay. So what you're saying is next time I talk to Larkin, I need to say, listen, I'm not doing any more work for MTI until I get a mug. Or blanket or, or all blanket. of the above. I'm good on blankets, man. I'm proud. <laughs> and if you ask Robin, I'm probably good on mugs, but I like mugs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, well, that's cool. That's exciting. So I yeah. trust you guys had a good dinner and it, uh, it was good. They're, they're yeah. great, great people. Yeah. Did you guys, I've, did you tell me whether or not you get, like, did you guys go out to eat or did you eat it? No, our families con, uh, convened at their home in Old okay. Town, Maine. So we brought our boys up and their little girl played and we had dinner together and, and that's a ta- great, great, great cook. Old Town, Maine. Is that kind of like Old Town Road? <laughs> yes. Okay. No, it's funny you say that because, uh, um, they were talking about their neighbors a little bit and just talking about, yeah, and this couple's kind of elderly and this couple's kind of elderly. And I was like, well, they do call it old town for a reason. (laughs) So it was like the median (laughs) age there, like 74. I'm not sure. I've never been to, well, I've never spent any time in old town because it's right outside of Bangor and right near Orono. And I think I've driven through it um accidentally before but i've never intentionally gone to to old town so, until now so aren't we didn't we talk last night like as you were with matt we texted and he said mm-hmm. that he might be able to come on the show next week yes because he said you often ask him to come on when he's got like another meeting yeah yeah i do and it's usually last minute so um so being in the area, I'm interested. How how do people pronounce Bangor from up there? Because I've heard it pronounced different ways. It's Bangor. Okay. So I've heard other people pronounce it differently. They're wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. That's good to know. Um, and then Meredith said that Matt has been, ha- has supposed to have gotten her a tumbler already, but she's still waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, Listen, if, this was kind of given to me for facilitating and it took over a year to get it. Oh, uh, okay. So, or maybe okay. a year. Cause I, no. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say probably a year ish. A year ish. Okay. All right. Well, Hey, Matt Larkin's a busy guy, man. He uh, is a busy guy. L- yeah, listen, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, he's doing a great work. He's doing a great job. And so we need to cut him a little slack. He's got a lot on his shoulders, a lot on his plate. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, in, in reality, mugs and swag are really the least of his concerns, especially not just having it, but giving it to certain people. I mean, you're low on the list. And, and honestly, on the, the only reason Meredith, I I, Meredith should be higher up on the list. 100%. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. she's the reason why that logo exists. Oh, probably. She does awesome when it comes to all that all that stuff. She's designed I, all kinds of things. And by people. the way, Meredith, I saw the new MTI banner that he has in his office all to himself. It looks phenomenal. So well done. Well done on that. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, trying to think about how we can pile more on Matt Larkin right now, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait till next week. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, yeah. So that's good, man. I'm I'm glad that uh, that worked out for you. I'm glad you finally got your little blankie yep. uh, that you can snuggle up in on the couch. Yep. You know what? So, I, now that we're talking about it, I think I'll bring it to the office here so I can snuggle up on it. And get but then you won't have a blanket at home, which was the whole thing that made you all excited. I, I know, I know. But I do have a I do have an electric blanket at home. You're <laughs> an electric blanket? Are you like? Are you old with poor circulation? I think I do have poor circulation. Yes, because okay, my cool. feet and my feet and hands get cold quicker than any other part of me. Uh, have you had a physical in like the last couple of years? Yes. Oh, okay, okay. Actually, now that you mentioned that, I do need to call my doctor and schedule one because they called me a couple weeks ago saying that I'm due. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, cool. Uh, what, what else? I thought there was going to be something else we could we could talk about. Oh, uh, ha, are you caught up with? Have you finished? Have you finished Boba Fett? Have you started um, the, uh, Star Wars? The uh, what do you call it? The the Clone Wars. First, yeah, the Clone Wars. No, we will. I think I've convinced Erica that we will start that. But there's another show that we're behind on that we need to watch. What show is that? I don't know if I want to say. Spell it out. C O B R A space K A I. Cobra Kai? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to look at me all stupid. Like, what is that going to do? Everyone's going to be able to figure that out. Um, <laughs> why? What's wrong with Cobra Kai? I don't know. It's, you know, you either love it or you hate it. I've heard so, it's really good. Um, it's, 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 yeah. it's okay. My, the thing I, I'm getting tired of is you think they come to some sort of work together resolution and then something happens and don't ruin it for me. <sighs> anyway, uh, we've been watching The Good Place. Have you seen that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, Erica hasn't watched maybe a little bit with me, but no, I watched that all on. My so own. we're like halfway through the second season, I think. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and yeah, it's getting really good. Like the first season, I was kind of like, eh, whatevs. And then the second yeah. season, like you get to a certain part and I'm like, how, are they just going to redo this whole thing all over again? Yeah. And then it gets really good. Yeah. And so I'm really looking forward to, to move how, how it progresses. So, yeah, um, it's good, man. And then Erica said that uh, she's never told you, you can't use one of her blankets, but you um, explicitly said that she cannot use your blanket. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm. Clearly she loves you more than you love her. Do we really want to go into this? No, no. <laughs> I actually regretted saying that right after I said it. Um, yeah, so hey, before we get into the atonement, um, because I think for some people, they'll just gloss over. They won't be all that interested. But I do think people are genuinely interested. By the way, that's not saying that you should not be interested in the atonement, but I do think that some people just will gloss over. Um Ukraine, man. Are you following mm. what's what's going on over there? Not Uber recently, but when it first dropped last week, um, I was staying pretty pretty close. But I, I'll be honest, one of my favorite lines, one of my favorite lines from the Ukrainian president has been when our government offered him evacuation. Mm -hmm. He says he said something to like 
I need ammo or I need weapons, not a ride. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, that guy's and, a legend and, already. Yeah. And then uh and then another thing, like just the question is asked, can I or can we envision any of our um government officials staying and fighting and remaining to fight for his country like mm-hmm. he is or that yeah. the Ukrainian officials are and I'm like maybe one or two someone like a Dan Crenshaw but no yeah. overall no yeah it's 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 a sad sad state when when it comes to that yeah. but um I'm pulling for Ukraine I think the whole world is pulling for the underdog in this thing um yeah, it's it's sad. I mean, because this is something that was telegraphed. It's it's no surprise to anyone who's paid attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, uh, it's it's very complicated. It's a very complex situation. Sure. Um, yeah. So it's um, there's a lot I I probably want to say, but I just refrain from saying publicly. Uh, which is probably best, but um, yeah, we got to help them any way we can, but without putting troops on the ground. I've heard a few people um, suggest like, oh, well, we should put troops on the ground. Dude, if we put troops on the ground, you're escalating things to the point that we don't want them to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about two nuclear powers going to toe-to-toe, uh, the U.S. and and in russia and we do not want nuclear war so um by anything short of nuclear war is fine but with russia in the state that it's in uh my concern personally is that um putin has has lost so much favor and brought shame enough shame upon himself that he would go from zero to a hundred faster than we thought he would so Mm -hmm. hopefully that's not the case We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw just, uh, I follow this Kiev independent Twitter. Yeah. I think the whole world, they've gone from like 2000 followers on Twitter to over a million. 1.4. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In just the last few days. Yeah. And they just, what did I just see? Russia fired more than 400 one minute ago. Russia fired more than 400 missiles on Ukraine, citing an anonymous senior U.S. defense official. CNN wrote that Ukraine still has air missile defense systems that remain viable and intact and engaged. Uh, yeah, it's it's real world stuff, man. It's crazy. Um, yeah, it's it sucks. So. Um, yeah, no. Ukraine, you know, th- there are churches that are there that are, are sticking it out, that are seeking mm-hmm. to serve their community, knowing that there's a, uh, a significant chance that they could get bombed um, because Putin and the Soviets do not give a rip about civilian casualties. They yeah. do not care. Yeah. So back, I, I saw this clip of this, uh, these two people claim to be Christians and one of them, I think, I can't remember what it was, but basically it was nationalism at its finest. And basically this lady says she was Russian and how, or has Russian roots and how Christianity is so free in Russia. <laughs> and, you know, 
and how you know so supported yada yada and i'm like are you kidding me i'm pretty sure putin has rounded up christians and so from my understanding i actually listened to a podcast with um an expert on orthodoxy so (laughs) they have um they're part of kind of like the larger branch of Eastern Orthodoxy, but they, they are mostly Russian Orthodox, which is still slightly different than, say, Greek Orthodox and other mm-hmm. Eastern Orthodox uh, um, groups. And, and for those who are unfamiliar, there was a schism <clears throat> um, in the first century or first millennia. Is millennia, millennia is a thousand, right? Yeah, the first millennia of the church. Um, There's a schism between the Roman Catholics which were the Western part of the church and the Eastern part of the church, which we now call Eastern Orthodoxy. So the split between East and West was one that wasn't just political, but also religious. And within that you had the Russian Orthodox church. Well, um, Putin claims to be a Russian Orthodox and as an advisor has the, I forget what they call them, but essentially the, um, the patriarch of Russian Orthodoxy is an advisor to him. Now, what that means, I don't know. From my understanding, based on some of the uh, articles that I've read on the relationship between um, Putin and Russian Orthodoxy, is that there is kind of this this conflation of nationalism along with uh, the faith, and and it's hard to separate the two, which is very different than how Russia was a hundred years ago. Um, when the uh, <clears throat> the Russians essentially, or excuse me, the Bolshe- Bolshevik Revolution and, and all that took place and overthrowing the um, the Russian Czar and, and all that. So um, they turned towards atheism, but there was still always a contingent of Russian Orthodoxy at one, you know, during the life of, of the Soviet Union. It just was more subdued. So um, now it has a greater, you know, um, whole uh witness i think in in russia but yeah it's not how we would understand the faith necessarily so um yeah and i don't think like you you know i don't want to get into just war theory or anything like that in Mm -hmm. fact i think the best person to talk about um the ethics of war from a christian perspective would actually be tom um tom logry he his degree is in christian ethics but we can agree when war is necessary and Christians go to war, we can at least agree that um, any loss of life is a tragedy, tragedy, any lawful loss of life, no matter who it is, but even more so non-combatants, civilians. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, if, if Putin is actually a Christian, um, his Christian faith is not informing him mm-hmm. as he indiscriminately murders um, hundreds, if not thousands of civilians in mm-hmm. there in, in Ukraine. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Agreed. Hopefully that was nuanced enough. Just trying to... Enough, I think. If, if not, then I think we all can acknowledge that you gave it a good try. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so let's talk, let's talk about... Um, Excuse me. <clears throat> Keep getting a tickle in my throat. Um, let me pull up the. We had a, a viewer question um, who asked to be re, re, remain anonymous. Uh, they asked. This was a few weeks ago. Um, if we could discuss atonement more specifically, could you please discuss 
quote, the son of man must suffer from Luke 9.22 and why the doctrine is critical. You don't have to mention my name, he said. So I figured we'd talk a little bit about, about the atonement, a little bit about Luke 9.22, and then kind of and then kind of discuss from there. How does that sound, Michael? Sure. Okay. Um, so the atonement. I <clears throat> there are a number goodness gracious, excuse me. Man, I hope it's not COVID. Uh, I just got a tickle in my throat, but hey, you never know these days. Um, so there are a number of different views when we start talking about the atonement. And, and broadly speaking, um, the atonement is, the, is a view that encapsulates the work of God in, in the death of Christ as it relates to sin, grace, law, uh, wrath of God, holiness, righteousness, cov covenantalism, and Christ's deity. Um, and even when discussing the atonement, you end up having to discuss the nature of the Trinity as well. So like you have the atonement and there's a bunch of stuff in the atonement to discuss. And there are multiple theories of the atonement um, that have been held by different people throughout the history of the church. And I figured this would be a good time, like for, for you to talk about all the many different um, theories of the atonement throughout church history. I can't name them all because <laughs> there are quite a few. There are, but the, the most widely accepted is the penal substitutionary atonement. Yes, that is the most widely accepted. Um, it, it, it's had its, it's had its kind of roots mm -hmm. throughout church history but its biggest opponents were Luther and Calvin. Proponents. Not oppo said. proponents. Yeah, proponents, not yeah. opponents. My bad. My bad. Yeah. yeah. Um what what are some other theories? Then we'll start like then we'll start unpacking um, some. Christus Victor. Mm-hmm. Which sounds awesome. It does. And to yeah. be quite honest, I think there's some validity and truth to it, but I don't think it explains the entirety of the atonement. Okay, fair enough. I agree. Um, how about this one? The ransom theory atonement. Uh, I, I had forgotten exactly the, the name of that, but that is one as well. Yeah. Um, and, and so that one basically is, is from what I understand is God is because it says that Jesus died as a ransom for many. And so basically God was paying his son to release people from that captivity. He, he was paying the, Satan, Satan, right? Yeah. Satan. Uh, the he's ransom. paying off. He's paying off man's debt to Satan. Essentially, correct. Yes. Yeah. Um. So so let me. I, I pulled. I pulled some stuff up. Just some some easy definitions for us. So we, we talked a little bit about ransom theory, satisfaction theory. Um. This one is often referred to as the Latin view, mm -hmm. and it was primarily developed by Saint Anselm in his book Why God Became Man. Uh, the view sets God's justice um, or honor against man's immense sin debt. The satisfaction view is a reaction against the ransom view. And Anselm argued that it was not to Satan, but to God that man's sin debt was owed. Um, so essentially God is paying off man's himself. debt to himself yeah. versus to. So that's, I guess, one of the big differences between the satisfaction theory and the ransom theory. And I think, like, in the satisfaction theory, we could probably, like, 
we could probably affirm some of that, right? Like exactly. And that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and that's where theories and especially systematic theories Mm -hmm. are, are difficult because oftentimes they can almost focus on one thing too much to the neglect of other pieces. And so the atonement has so much working in it that it's hard to get it all in there. Um, and, and, and just in all honesty, we, humanity tends to only be able to handle so much. And so we end up maybe sometimes putting too much weight in one direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to balance in theology, let's say. Oh, hundred percent. It, it is difficult and it takes time to process and to wrestle with, to really go through and think logically. Um, so the penal substitutionary view, um, so I've pulled this up from the Lexham survey of theology. Uh, it says the, the penal substitutionary view is often associated with the magisterial reformers, Luther and Calvin. <clears throat> Some studies have demonstrated, however, that key elements of the penal substitutionary theory are evident in the early years of church history. The word penal refers to the divine penalty enacted at the cross. This penalty is more than payment for sin to God, although it is that. It is also the site at which God expended his wrath against human sin. Mm-hmm. God can be just and the justifier of the ungodly because Christ was our substitute on the cross. He paid sin's penalty by his sacrificial death. He canceled the record of debt that stood against us with uh, its legal demands. And uh, you can look at that in Colossians 2, chapter, or excuse me, Colossians 2.14. It says, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Uh, It goes on to say, our sin in this view is imputed to Christ and his righteousness is imputed to us. This is actually something that comes up in my preaching quite a bit. Um, Like I I always refer to 2 Corinthians 5.21. He was made sin who knew no sin so that we would be made the righteousness of God. It's the great exchange, right? Where um, our sin is is placed on christ christ's righteousness is placed on us and then god pours uh his wrath on the son mm-hmm. and his wrath is satisfied um all things are satisfied all debt is satisfied that's where forgiveness is accomplished it's 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 all that stuff man it, it's so there's so much so much um there are a few other theories that um that people can look up on their own. There's the scapegoat theory, the governmental theory, um, the moral influence theory uh, that, that is actually, I think kind of important for us to understand. So, so this one says in this view, man's greatest need is not to be reconciled to God. Rather man needs an ultimate moral example. And Christ provides us via self-giving life and death. I'd say that's important, Mike, because I think that's how a lot of people, at least where I grew up, viewed Christ. They viewed Christ as a good moral example, example, but didn't really fully grasp like Mm -hmm. that Jesus is God. So they looked at him as one to look towards, to live in light of, but, but not one who radically changes them by his death. Right. I actually talked about this a little bit on, in my sermon on Sunday, because I was going through Philippians two, um, one through nine. Um, but basically Jesus took on human form and I said, uh, ha- well, it basically says, you know, have this mind 
among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, or the same mind that Christ had. I think the ESV kind of misses it a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But it is theologically true that we have this mind in Christ, but at the same time, we have to have the same mind as Christ. And so we, I talked about now, Jesus is our example, but he's not just our example. Mm-hmm. So he's more than our example, but he's not less than our example. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's good. And then <clears throat> looking towards uh, Luke 9, which was uh, expressly cited by this viewer, um, he asked, you know, what is, why must the Son of Man suffer? So Jesus says this in Luke 9 21, and he strictly, char- strictly charged and commanded them, referring to his disciples, to tell this to no one. And he quotes, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So I think the question is, um, one, uh, why must the son of man suffer and what does this have to do with atonement? Um, Well, the son of man must suffer. So this is, I think, kind of linked to Isaiah 52 and 53, the suffering servant, Mm -hmm. um, where. Uh, the son of man, which is what the Messiah is actually referred to at other points in the Old Testament. Um, and it points to the judgment seat of God that the son of man would come and judge uh, the, the, um, the unrighteous. That his suffering is in suffering and in his death, he accomplishes the reconciliation of man to God. So um, that that suffering and that death, he takes upon himself the punishment that is um, that is due all those who have sinned and rejected God on their own. So um, I think it's I think the reason that is necessary is that it's, it's through Christ's death that um, that we're reconciled to God. And and that is the heart of atonement and all these different theories of the atonement seek to explain why it was necessary or what is happening at Christ's death. So. Absolutely. So he asked why it was critical. So why, why might this doctrine be important or why do you think Mike, like as pastors, how do we show or, or share or how does, the atonement come up in our preaching, teaching, or how we're discipling believers. Like what, what, what does the everyday Christian, what does atonement matter to them? Mm. In all honesty, if you think about it, that, I mean, that's a good question because what, okay, what does Jesus atoning for my sins mean for me day to day? And if you think about it, just daily decisions, that doesn't mean much necessarily. It might not. If you, you're not going to necessarily think about that while you're brushing your teeth or, you know, having a meeting at work. But at the end of the day, it matters for all of us Monday through Sunday, because the reality is the wages of sin is death. Mm -hmm. And so without the atonement, without the work of Christ, without him satisfying, you know, propitiating, satisfying, um, ransoming, um, having victory over sin, Satan, and death. Without that, we stand condemned. 
Yeah, we're still dead in our sins. We are. We are dead. We are mm-hmm. corpses that happen to think intellectual thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, without the atonement, there is no future or even daily hope. There is no life. There is. There is no life. True, that's a, that's true, a, true, meaningful, lasting life. Yeah, that's the like, poetry. There's existence. There's existence, but there's no life. Yeah. I think that's the poetry uh, of of the gospel is that through death came life um through christ's death came life to all who would be saved all who would believe and like for the christian who is overwhelmed by their sin overwhelmed by um the sins of others that may have affected their lives they're they're overwhelmed by the brokenness of of life in the world that they can look at what christ achieved at the cross and how that applies to them directly they're no longer in bondage to sin they are no longer subject to sin's eternal consequences they are subject to what was accomplished and given to them through christ's death which is life everlasting which is his right righteousness and holiness it is being a co-heir with him it's it's inheriting the new heavens in new earth it's being adopted into a family it's finding victory over death and over sin and these things are made available through christ period full stop um so it's like it's like when you're when you're downtrodden, when you're heavy laden, when you're depressed and you're down and you're looking for hope, you need that pep talk. You need someone to help pick you up. Um, we can rightly administer the good grace of God by pointing one another um, to the atonement that is central to the gospel, um, right? Like there is no gospel without the atonement. Um, so, yeah, I mean it's 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 essential. It's critical. Um, it's something that we should be familiar with. So, yeah, because without the atonement, and even some sort of view of the atonement, even if you differ on the the details of it, there needs to be something in your theology that deals with sin. So, Mike, you just opened up a can of worms. Sure. Um, and I don't know if you realize what you stepped in there. So, um talking about the different uh different theories of the atonement and you're saying are you are what are you saying there are you saying that all of these different theories are acceptable and orthodox or are you saying like there are some that are more acceptable than others are how are you how are you phrasing that because i know i don't i don't think i don't think it's carte blanche believe whatever you want to believe okay so it's not Uh, do whatever you want day no, it's not. It's not free range. I think it is important that you understand because there are some things that that are not scripturally sound, orthodox, mm-hmm. and and whatever. Um, but what I'm saying is, everybody has an atonement view if mm-hmm. they think that God has dealt with sin. Okay. Okay. So yeah. everyone everyone has an atonement view, whether or not it's a certain one. It's kind of irrelevant because everybody has a view of atonement of what God has done to deal with sin. Mm-hmm. Even if it's as simple as, well, God is just so loving and everything that he sent Jesus as an example. And and God just wouldn't hold that. He'll just freely forgive and it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. That's still in a view of atonement because the way that God deals with sin is he, eh, forget about it. 
So what you're saying is that's a view, but it's not the the biblical view. I would say it's a it's a it's a it's a yeah, it's not biblical. Okay. <laughs> I got some other words flying around in my brain. Yeah. But. So so would you would you say of all of the theories that we mentioned and just briefly went over, is there one in particular that you have found in your study of theology? I mean, remember, you're the master of divinity here mm-hmm, on the program. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh so is there one in particular that you go, this is this is the way, this is the one that's been held the longest, this is the one that we've kind of... I, I think, I honestly, even though I've wrestled with it, I really keep coming back to penal substitutionary atonement. Mm-hmm. But with that, I buffer it with some of the satisfaction and Christus Victor. Like, mm-hmm. I would say that those are... Like you can see some satisfaction in penal substitution, the fact that he was our substitute to satisfy the wrath of God. Yeah. So, so that's in there, and the fact that Christ has victory in mm-hmm. his sati- in his substitutionary death, mm-hmm. and so I would say that those are implications of penal substitutionary atonement. Yeah, I, I would agree they're, with you, Mike. They're further outreaches of. Um, now, the, you know. But I'd be interested, you know, a guy that would be interesting to have come talk on this is Tom. (laughs) Because I've I've only heard about his views. I haven't really. Okay, well, listen, we're not going to talk about a third party. uh, No, no, I don't want to talk about his views, but I'm just saying that I would honor, you know, and be interested in uh, those that I respect and revere that may not necessarily totally buy into the penal substitutionary thing. So, so if you want to bring someone on that you respect and revere, mm-hmm. um, who would you bring on to talk about that? Am I, I'm now I'm afraid to say it because of your reaction. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. I love Tom. I, I love Tom. I do respect. Uh, I do respect him. Um, so, but I mean, yeah. he's written Advent Christian blog about that. Like that's one of the issues he took with uh, the catechism. Yeah, and I lovingly say this: Tom is is wrong. Um, we've had conversations about it. Uh, yeah, so I'm not. I'm not going to get you know. You know, and, but see, I would even say, I don't know that he, and again, not having gone back and forth with him, I don't know that I would say he is wrong. I would say, why does it have to be exclusively one way or the other? I think what he's trying to communicate is still true. Yeah. So if my, and again, Tom's not here and it's been a while since he and I have had this conversation, but we have had this conversation numerous times. I've always come away. The conversation I've had with Tom is that he has an incomplete view of the atonement. So it's not that anything that he says is, is in error in the sense, Oh, here's what I think happens. And you go, no, that didn't happen. It's that, yeah, that did happen, but also some other things happened too. So like, yeah. and, And I think, so to me, I look at penal substitutionary atonement. I look at its robust nature and all that's encapsulated there. And I go, yeah, so this best, as I read scripture, um, rightly understands what scripture is saying. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's uh, you brought that up, not me. 
And, I did. And, and, I did. And I apologize, yeah, so, Tom, if I caused you more issues. Um, with that, with that said, Mike, have we, I mean, have we, have we hit on everything within the atonement? Oh, absolutely. We have like, we have exhausted we just, the depth of gave, the atonement. Yeah. There's no reason to read any, any further books or, or, you know, yeah. we just give you, uh, you if know, you're writing, some... if you ever find yourself needing to write a paper on this, you just need to, you know, we give you full permission to verbatim, just write everything we just said. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't go that far, man. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, so I've not like studied the atonement as far as like, having read a ton of books on it. Like I have on the Trinity, like I've read probably, um, maybe two dozen, two to three dozen books on the Trinity. So I, I'm far more like well-versed in that. Most of the stuff that I've read on the atonement are either from journal articles or systematic theologies. So systematic theologies are good. Um, but oftentimes when you're trying to study a topic, you're going to get more into like the specific literature of that. So, mm-hmm. um, so if you think of like a systematic theology is more of a general like, hey, here's what's going on in these different doctrines. This is what the Bible says. Whereas, like, you might have a book on the Trinity or, or the Atonement that argues more with uh, different views. So, um, but you get that in Assistio too. It's just not as in depth as, say, uh, another book. So, I wish I had a book to recommend you, but I can always recommend Bavink's uh, four volume. Uh, Reformed dogmatics. They're always really good. And he treats things, he's a great author. Um, because is he wrote he wrote a dogmatics, but it's not like the idea of what we think of dogmatism today. Um, he doesn't assail his opponents or anything like that. Um, he tries to properly understand those he disagrees with mm-hmm. um, in a right manner, and I think that's really commendable. So, yep. um, Bickford, who is studying John Owen right now, shares there is no death of sin without the death of Christ. That is John Owen. I totally agree. For those who reject, I think, um, penal substitutionary atonement, I really struggle to understand two major things uh, for for that. And that's one, what do you do with 2 Corinthians 5.21? And um, what do you do with um, the uh, the the Passover imagery that I think is found in, uh, you know, that correlates between the Passover and uh, the death of Christ. So um, those are two things that I I would have to have answered to be moved off of that. So, yeah, cool. So Mike, got anything going on this week before we end the show? Oh yeah. Quite a few things, but uh, nothing consequential for the rest of you all to know. Good. Good. Cool. Well, I just applied for a job. <laughs> Another remote job that you can do from uh oh by, from my from, own from home? From your home. By the way, I need your address so I can send you that picture. My new address? Yeah. Wait, which picture? The one I the he- the, the second the second commandment violation? Yes. <clears throat> so for the I mean, people pretty much know that I have a, a, a strict view that I wouldn't even say a str- like it's not a strict view. I think it's just an ortho a, a, a proper understanding of the second commandment. But um, Mike likes to send me pictures of 
or portraits that are supposed to look like Jesus, <laughs> but they don't. Um, <laughs> he likes to trigger me in that way. So uh, anyway, I'm not, no, no, don't send that to me. Especially, I mean, if you sent it to me and you send it to me right now at my current address, I would be, you Robert would kill you. She'd find out where you <laughs> live and she would murder you in your sleep. So uh, there's that. Um, no, my, no, it's not a remote job. It's actually a job, Mike, that um, uh, it'd be working with veterans. So it's a veteran servants officer. So like Massachusetts has a law that each town is supposed to have a VSO veteran services officer. And they help veterans in that town navigate federal and state benefits. So um, it's something like with my intent of planting a church and being embedded in the veterans community that really fits in well. Sure. It's a part-time job. It's like 15 hours a week, mm -hmm. but it would, uh, oh man, it would be awesome. So um, yeah. So I just applied for it. So I'm, I'm hoping that'll work out. Cool. Be perfect for me. So yeah. Yeah. So you could be praying for me for that. Absolutely. We will. But if you only pray for one thing, I'd ask you to pray for Ukraine. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to be selfish. Pray for Ukraine. Yeah. So. Yeah. What's your, you got any predictions? You got any military predictions over what's going to happen over the next few, few days? Nope. Well, that's good. Yep. No, I have no, uh, war is not my thing. Clearly, you know, you had the opportunity to go to war. Uh, All you need a, is love. Okay. What is that? Uh, J John Lennon? Mm-hmm. Oh. Or, or, or at least the Beatles. I don't know if it okay. was him or Paul McCartney or one of those. Folks. One of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know what they have in common? <laughs> Lenin. Lenin was a Soviet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So the Beatles are pretty much Soviets. That's what I'm. <laughs> that's what. I'm, um. So uh, I, hold I, on. Wait. So, hold on. Are you equating? The singer John Lennon with the autocrat Lennon. Yeah, style. they're the same guy, aren't they? No. Oh, okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm trying to be funny. Clearly, I'm not. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> um, <clears throat> hey, uh, Jim said uh, to God, or too bad God just didn't zap the devil. It still sounds like a deal between the two. God beats the devil and sin through a sacrifice. That is a loaded. Uh, that's a loaded statement, Jim. There's a lot to unpack there. I would. I would say this. Um, a lot of people have a misunderstanding. Correct me, Mike. Again, the master of divinity on this one. Uh, but in my experience, a lot of people under have a wrong understanding of the relationship between God and Satan. Many, mm -hmm. many, as I have had conversation with them, understand Satan to be in it like in every way like God, except evil. So, so really it goes back to like a dualistic view of good and evil, where you have two forces at war with one another, God and Satan, and that Satan is omnipotent, omniscient, that he, meaning he's all powerful, all knowing um, and all that. That's not the case. So Satan is a fallen angel. The demons are fallen angels. Um, Satan cannot be everywhere at one time. He's not, um, he's not omnipresent. He's not all powerful. He's not any of those things. Um, he has the powers and the influence of what the angels have, but he is working those things towards evil from his rebellion. That's why he was kicked out of heaven along with the other 
um, angels who are fallen. So um, God, you know, certainly can, 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 and will do whatever he wishes with Satan and those demons. And we know that he will um, be thrown into uh, the lake of fire and die in the second death. He will be restrained. Um, so it is through Christ that death is defeated. It is through Christ that, um, that sin has no power over us. Um, but I would say this, our greatest enemy is not Satan. Our greatest enemy is sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, our greatest enemy is often ourselves. Yep. So, um, anyway, I, I appreciate those points, Jim. Um, and you might've just meant it as a joke, but I just figured I'd, I'd share that. <laughs> so anything to add, Mike? No, I think that's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, my only thought that came, came to mind was God and Satan are not two equal forces that yes. need to be contended with. Yeah, you that's know. what I meant. Instead of opposing, uh, yeah. yeah, I wish I would have said equal. You're right. Yeah, they're not equal yeah. in any way. No. So I look at, I just had to email someone, you know, kind of working through Genesis 3.15. Um, Satan isn't a, a comparable adversary to the Lord, as mm-hmm. if he's a threat to God. No, that's not what's going on. The crushing of the head of the serpent is not so to protect God. It's to deal with the enemy of his people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Satan's not a threat to God. He's a threat to us. Yeah. And I also think, Mike, as we talk about like the, <clears throat> the redemption of humankind um, through the history of the world, like we all have our ideas of, oh man, why didn't God do it this way? Or, you know, wouldn't this have worked out better? Wouldn't there be less pain in the world? And, and like, I have those thoughts and I think a lot of people have those thoughts. And I think that's natural to have those, those, um, those things pop into your head and wrestle with them. That's fine. But God is the uh, omnipotent creator. He is um, the all in all. He's the alpha and the omega. He is the only one who is holy, holy, holy in the all of creation and all of mankind in the whole redemptive story. All his works are meant to point to his glory. So when I start thinking, man, I wish I would have done this this way, or, or I wish God would have done this this way rather, or why couldn't God have done that? He's working all things together for what? The good of his people and the glory of his name. So um, I have to understand that my place is not to be all-knowing. That's his. My place is not to be all-powerful. That's his. So um, I leave that up to the Lord. And I think there's there's room for us to ask really good questions. I think that can be helpful. Um, but we have to understand our place as well. Mm-hmm. So. And with that, we sign off. All right, Mikey. Hey, have a good week, everyone. Next week, uh, we think that we'll have uh, Matthew Larkin on the show. Uh, What we'll talk about, nobody knows. We'll see you next week. (laughs)